This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dean Amal Andraus. Thanks for listening. I'm Daniel Brunal, a dual degree student in the MARC and Real Estate Development Programs at Columbia GSAP. I'm speaking with Sandra Barclay and Jean-Pierre Cruz, co-founders of Barclay & Cruz Architecture, <laughs> in advance of their lecture at the school on February 4th, 2019. Barclay & Cruz was founded in 1994 in Paris and has been based in Lima since 2006. Thank you for speaking with me today. I'm very happy to be doing so. I'm actually from Colombia, uh, and I'm very happy to be interviewing a firm based in Lima. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so if you would quickly tell me, how did you end up in Lima? Uh, we, we were born in Lima oh, okay. and <laughs> made our studies in Lima. And when we finished, we, Jean-Pierre went to Milan and I went to, later on to Paris to have a, like an equivalence of our title of our Peruvian title. And then we stayed like yeah. 16 we, we, years. Yeah, we were <laughs> supposed to stay there like three, three years, having some experience abroad. And finally, we stayed 16 years wow. <laughs> in Paris. And then, then we decided to come back to Lima in order to uh, have a practice there because we, 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 we had never worked really in our country as, as architects. Mm-hmm. In, two th- in 2006, what? we go back to Lima. That's exciting. It's going to see what's, what's going on with me in terms of going back to Colombia. I think that would be um, a similar exciting opportunity. Uh-huh. It might uh-huh. take 16 years as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe uh, here at GSAP, and I'm speaking from my own experience in the program, um, I see architecture as a bit of a generalist profession. Uh, we utilize space design as vehicles to transcend sort of uh, dignity. What are some ways that your firm dignifies the people that it either houses or the program that it houses, the environment, and um, if you could speak more about how you dignify your constructs? Yeah, um, first of all, of all we, we, we think architecture is, is meant to improve things, improve quality of life, improve... How do you feel in a in in a certain place, and from that point on, how do you improve? Is the way that you do architecture, and we like to start with what is available in in our country, and and what has our country to to give to people, and and that's um, not certainly not technology, not industry of construction, but is a mild climate, is, is um, uh, the possibility of providing space to people without heating, without cooling, without uh, flashing, without insulating. So we think we, we can easily provide generosity to buildings. And generosity is what normally is never asked by a client. Right. So, so it's our only our responsibility to provide them with a space, with quality, with generosity, mm-hmm. and with all that is intangible qualities of the building. So we're searching in that way. Mm. And it helps to give this generosity to the project. It helps to imagine as, uh, as using the spaces we are creating, so taking care about 
uh, how people will feel inside, how the light, natural light will come uh, yeah. inside. And so like putting in, in, in place of people that yeah, I think, will use yeah. the building. I, I yeah. think the belonging is a strong uh, issue in, in our architecture. We try to make spaces that people feel belonging to something. Okay. To something you know? So after a brief overview of your work, um, I mean, it's absolutely stunning. And it's, it's, it's really interesting that you just said the word intangible, uh, referring to the architecture, because I see that a common motif in, is your use of light. Would you go as far as to say that Barclay and Cruz architecture considers light to be a material? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. light is a material as well as time. We are using what was developed in the modern movement, which is uh, light in time and space in time, the promenade architectural, where you can separate your eyes from the eyes movement, the sight movement, from the body movement. So so I think it's a big quality modern architecture provided at that time. And and I think in, generally speaking, in South America, where the climate is relatively mild. Right. It's much easier to uh, provide this this double path between eyes and, and body and between exterior and interior. So uh, the, the body movement in the architecture is is more fluid. Fluidity is one of the big statements of modern movement. Right. Mm-hmm. And also this mild climate introduce the concept of ambiguity. So separation between interior and exterior is blurred Mm -hmm. with this uh, climate. We are sometimes creating exterior spaces that have uh, completely interior qualities and uh, the other way also. We are also working with, with, thanks to this uh, climate, this type of ambiguity spaces. And then if you, were, if you were to work in a different context, then you would ask yourself different questions, I guess, or you would start attempting to draw connections with the environment that the architecture would theoretically be in. Which brings me to the question is, how would you differentiate architecture in Peru or even Lima, like a, at a different scale, uh, to other architectures that you've either been interested in or comparative to New York or whatever it may be? I think we, we, we have been working also in, in France mm-hmm. for several years. So the um, biggest difference, I would say, is not in the way we think architecture necessarily, but in the way we do architecture, we, right. we build. And because of the climate, though. No? Because of the climate, but also because yeah. of the... Of the, um, the built industry? Yeah, also. the built industry uh-huh. changes everything. We, yeah. we had, for example, the big differences between an industrialized country and a, a non-industrialized or where craftsmanship is still alive. So th- right. there are two very different ways to, mm. to build. Um, I think we can provide generosity everywhere. It's not, it's not exclusively a matter of... Uh, mild climate countries, but uh, in our experience is that when you depend only in industrialized type of construction, you depend on insurance companies. And the insurance companies are very, very... um, We we architects become suspect persons because (laughs) we we are trying to take the other way around. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, And 
and we we are trying to provide things that are not measurable right mm-hmm. so uh, when it can't be measured what we are doing there comes the problem uh, right. in, in a society that that is used to measure everything and to qualify only what is measurable So it's this idea of kind of understanding parameters and then breaking it down according to their context yes. and then redefining and mm-hmm. kind of designing around what these parameters mm-hmm. have to offer. Yeah. So where do you put your energy no? right. in uh, calculating uh, the architecture to, in order to uh, be in, the, in those parameters or, or really asking what is the best for Right. Quality, yeah, I think it's really refreshing to hear because yeah. I feel like oftentimes it's ego above anything else. And I, I, it's really exciting that um, you're speaking here tonight because I think we need to have more of these conversations about redefining the parameters and, and not just, you know, the architect's stroke and tabula mm-hmm. rasa mentality. So at Columbia GSAP, we find ourselves in a vastly diverse environment. My classmates and best friends are from all over the world, from every corner, from Brazil to Slovenia to Kuwait to Ireland. In a diverse environment, beautiful things really cook up. Can you talk about a little bit about diversity in your firm and your excitement to share what you're doing, you know, by coming here, for example, or what's your, what's your take on, on that? Mm-hmm. I think uh, for us in, in our practice, a uh, situation that we went out uh, from our country to work in Paris and then, for instance, gave us this advantage of, of the device, diversity of uh, working and living in two places. So taking the advantages of both also both places. Right. I think it's really uh, an enrichment to to see different things, to practice and live different experiences. And uh, yeah, so, and, of course... Uh, and yeah. in our office, for example, we, uh, we still have some, uh, people from, from mainly from France, France yeah. working uh, constantly in our office. So, so we have... We, we, we like to be very critical on what we are doing and, and trying also to think how... Our architecture that we like to be uh, very um, local, or at least the problems, mm. the, 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 the buildings we are doing are uh, responses to local problems. But we have always in mind how these local problems can inform architecture in a wider like range, larger conversation. In a large, uh, yeah. Yeah. Can establish larger conversations mm-hmm. that can be interesting in, 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 in global terms. Mm-hmm. Now that's why, for example, we tried to establish which was the projects that were important in, in, in Peru uh, when we participated as curators in the 16th uh, Venice Biennale in 2016. Mm-hmm. So, so we were trying to figure out how local problems can inform to uh, global conversations. Mm-hmm. And also inside Peru, we, we st- when we came back in 2006, we started working only in Lima. And uh, little by little, we had the opportunity to work in other parts of, of the country. And also we appreciate a lot of that because each time you have to to think uh, with another work with another territory with another uh, culture 
and uh, mainly in the coast. And now uh, we are starting to also to work in some uh, projects in the Andes and uh, not not yet in the Amazonian uh, con- <laughs> uh, part of the country. But but it's the diversity is uh, really a proper thing of of Peru also. Right. It's a big, really big uh, country. Um, okay, and then lastly, I think the evolution of architectural education has vastly changed. And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, you went to school in Paris and then had experiences elsewhere and then went back to, to, to Lima. What do you think is missing or you would like to see more in architectural education? And then maybe specify it maybe more in Peru, what you would like to see happening versus in the United States versus in Paris or mm-hmm. Milan or... Yeah, they're, they're, I think they are missing things in both um, hemispheres, we, yeah. we should say. Uh, for example, we are too much intuitive in, in South America mm. as, as educators. But on the other way, what we do as, as teachers in, in Peru, for example, is that we don't consider uh, academy uh, in general terms as a way of simply um, solving academic problems or uh, intellectual um, matters, yeah. matters mm-hmm. but as a way of improving real life. So uh, I think in, in, in the global south, uh, the academy, the education in general, has um, uh, a, strong, a strong potential to um, change reality from uh, academy. And, and because n- nobody has the time or the money to, right. to do research and mm, to yeah. make things uh, happen, change and, and improve. So uh, it's a different role that we have, I think, in education in, in the Global South than in the North. But I, I think also that here in the, in the central countries, in developed countries, we have still to look more into reality yeah. and, and to be more engaged in, in society. That doesn't mean go and, and build something for the poor people. It means uh, that we as architects can change reality. It's, it's, it's not like, uh, it's, it's usually misunderstood because people think uh, if you engage with society, you have to be uh, or you have to replace sociologists or you, right. you want to mm-hmm. play as sociologists when you are an architect. But I think I'm, I'm really convinced that we can, as architects, uh, be more uh, present in, in society mm-hmm. and not so disconnected. And, and I'm talking uh, about education. Yeah, it's like a, it has a... a it has like uh, a responsibility to contribute to the society in in our countries. Yeah, we we both had uh, experiences as students in both parts of 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 the world, and it's true that now as teachers, yeah, we are more conscious about this role. And uh, now we are teaching at Adia this semester and trying to bring that type of uh, approach uh, with the students going to have this studio in, in Peru and trying to look at, at a problem that architecture can help to, to solve. So it's, yeah, I think uh, um, the, the future of 
architects mm. uh, at least in our countries is not the traditional way of being mm. an architect where you you have your office mm. and you wait for a client to come but yeah. uh, you have to be aware that you have to now nowadays you have to propose your knowledge of being an architect in places where nobody expects that an architect is useful so so i think th that's the, the big difference between the time when where we were students and and now the profession is changing, changing no? fast yeah. and we have to find these new ways in which architects can be useful to society yeah and through the uh, universities because in in peru for example the government is not going to give um, money for research or uh, have uh, ask for thinking in, a, in in urbanism or developing strat strategies to for the cities or nothing nothing so doing this uh, through ac academia is is a way of contributing to the communities and, uh, and to the society yeah Again, that's extremely refreshing yeah. <laughs> to hear. Um, yeah, and I, I do think that curriculums need to be very flexible and to be able to foster this sort of environment and this way of thinking. And I know I've, I've studied a lot in, um, about architectural education, specifically in East Africa, and then what happens mm. is that in Africa in general, there, the few architecture schools and programs that do exist are too tied back to... The, the the global north so then there's you know there's a lot of friction that's caused between you know what should be done and what the advantages that could be a result of understanding architecture past a set curriculum that was never designed for the developing mm -hmm. world and i say mm -hmm. that in quotations mm -hmm. but it's interesting and very refreshing to hear mm. Um, I really look forward to your lecture. Um, I will be sitting somewhere towards the front. <laughs> um, and I'll make sure all Great. my friends come along as well. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you very much. This podcast was produced by Columbia GSAP. You can find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu.